Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. You've tuned in to Sci-Fi Fidelity, Episode 40, Star-Crossed Lovers. Welcome back to the podcast. I hope you've been enjoying our weekly episodes here in the month of January. And we still are doing our discussion topic. And I, I'm, I'd be interested to see how people receive this as its own podcast episode because we're not talking about a show. We're not interviewing someone from a show. We're just kind of going back into the vault, kind of like what you do on your sci-fi TV rewatch podcast, Dave, where we just kind of like to talk about topics that have shown up and examples of whatever the topic is. Well, from as far back as the 1970s in this case, I think that we're going to be talking about this or maybe the eighties and all the way to the present. So star-crossed lovers is an interesting topic. What is exactly that we're referring to when we say that though? Well, humans that are in love with aliens and of course, vice versa. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Now this was inspired by a piece that ran on the site earlier in the month And the fact that Roswell, which is going to actually come up in our discussion here, recently began its reboot. I didn't even know there was going to be a Roswell reboot until 2019 arrived. And Roswell began its reboot on the CW on January 15th. It's going strong. And CW is the perfect place for a show like that because, of course, Roswell was on, I think, the WB and then the UPN later. But we're going to share our example of Star-Crossed Lovers from that show in a bit. But what do you got to start off our discussion? Where did you find a human that was in love with an alien in your travels, Dave? Okay, well, I'm going to start with Farscape. And if you haven't seen Farscape, I'd encourage you to go back. I'm not sure where it's available. It's probably not on Netflix at this point. I think it's point. on Amazon, I want to say. Amazon, Okay. <laughs> And it is an American-Australian co-production with the Jim Henson Company. So we we do have a puppet in it. And I remember (laughs) when Wayne and I used to talk about it. It was like, it's a damn puppet. But I'm going to talk about John Crichton, who was played by Ben Browder, and Aaron Soon, played by Claudia Black. And he is the human. She is the alien. And again, if you don't know Farscape, it aired for four seasons between 2000 and 2003, and it follows the adventures of human astronaut John Crichton, whose crashed capsule finds itself inside the living biomechanical ship Moya. So he's kind of an astronaut test pilot, and his flight goes awry, and he ends up out of the known universe. And and as I said, his ship, which is much smaller than Moya, is literally docked inside. Now, though Aaron Soon, played by Claudia Back, as I said, appears to be human, she's actually what's called a sebation. But it's her role as a peacekeeper and, and the sebation race and the peacekeeper who are sort of a paramilitary police force kind of deal 
she's initially thrown into the narrative mix accidentally because she sees it as her role to bring to justice the motley crew of Moya, which now, of course, includes John Crichton, whom she immediately develops a, a dislike for, and it's mutual on her end. So we've got this crew of criminal types, although as we you know get into the story, they're not all that bad. Everybody's got <laughs> a backstory. But I, I love it when we see her for most of the series. She's in black leather. She's got black hair. He's a good-looking guy. She's a good-looking woman. It doesn't take us long to ship them, but <laughs> they've got to get past this mutual dislike of each other. And, you know, of course, as time goes on, she realizes that those to whom she's pledged her allegiance don't really deserve it. And now she's got to win the trust of the crew because they, of course, still see her as a peacekeeper. Eventually, her relationship with Crichton blossoms and it's really a cool relationship. And and my favorite episode is the season four episode when she and Crichton and the rest of the crew accidentally end up on earth and they do decidedly appear alien so they <laughs> have to stay out of sight but she gets to experience some of earth's culture earth life with john Crichton. And it's a wonderful episode and they are a wonderful couple yeah there's lots of chemistry there and i think what you're going to find as we go through these examples a lot of them do have very human-like appearance either just coincidentally as in this case or as part of their own disguise as aliens among humanity. So, and, and I think it's interesting. You chose this show, which is almost 15 years, more than 15 years old. Now, I think the newest example we have on this list is like three or four years ago. So hopefully there's no spoiler potential for those listening, but my first one is, I think all three of my examples are in the 20th century. So the first one I'm going to talk about is, Alien Nation. Now, are you familiar with the show? It was only one season in 1988 on Fox. Do you remember it? I remember it, but I never watched it. If you don't remember it, guys, it's the one where the aliens were dressed up just like humans. They had the suits and they integrated into our society. But instead of hair, they had like a spotty scalp and even the women were bald. So I remember being very off put by that as a kid, but uh, it was a very popular series at the very beginning of the new, at the time, Fox Television Network. I think the idea was that they would have movies because this was a movie first in 1988. And then it became a series in 1989. And I think they wanted to sort of brand it that way where they could use the 20th Century Fox movie brand and then their new TV network to expand upon it. But it got canceled after one season because Fox didn't really know what they were doing. But because of the fact that it was still popular, even after its cancellation, it actually had five movie events over the course of the next five or six years where we got to see these characters again and again. And so it did get fleshed out beyond that one season that it got. So if you're not familiar with the show, it, it actually follows a refugee race of aliens called the Tanktonese, or they were just usually referred to as the newcomers where they show up on earth and basically just try to integrate into the human populace. And the whole storyline was just to expose us to this alien culture and some of their differences, even though they look very humanoid just with their different heads, you know, 
but it was a very overt metaphor for immigrant and refugee issues of the time, not unlike the, the issues that we're dealing with nowadays. So people might consider it very heavy handed were it to get rebooted these days. But one of the best aspects that made it more humanized and gave people something to root for was the couple that showed up in this series. And that was between Matt Sykes and Kathy Frankel. Now, Matt was one of the detectives that solved crimes of the week each week. And he was partnered with a Tanktonese fellow and he wasn't too happy about it. Do you remember almost human with uh, Carl Urban in it, Dave? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think we covered that or at least talked about the pilot at the time. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of like that. You know, he didn't really want to be paired with an alien, just like Carl Urban's character didn't want to be paired with an Android. And as he got exposed to the culture and, and bonded with his partner, he also sort of bonded with this neighbor. His name was Kathy. She was a microbiologist newcomer. And so what she would do is often assist the two detectives with the forensic needs. She would do some of the you know investigation with them. So, Whereas we saw Matt had a difficult time adjusting to his partner on the force, he eventually learned to love Kathy, navigating the cultural differences and even some of the interesting physical difficulties that they encountered in their sex life as time went on. A very cool relationship to explore. And for those of you who enjoyed that show, I know there's a few people who who love this kind of stuff. Fred, I'm talking to you, <laughs> the people who enjoy these shows from the past. And, and hopefully this one is a couple that they enjoyed. That was a human alien pairing. Well, cool. And I'm going to ignore the fact that you said Fox didn't know what it was doing <laughs> because Fox has a wonderful track record. Michael. <laughs> yeah, they didn't get over that reputation very quickly. <laughs> so, all right. Well, I'm going to go with a couple that, again, has a human and an alien that does appear alien. My first couple, John Crichton and Aaron Sun. Aaron Sun appears human. And I'm going to talk about Alec Tarr and Christy McCauley from Defiance. Oh, yeah. I can't believe I forgot about these. You you added these to your list kind of late. And I was like, how could I have neglected Defiance? Yeah. So, Perfect choice. So Alec Tarr played by Jesse Rath, Christy McCauley by Nicole Munoz. And Defiance aired on Sci-Fi for three seasons between 2013 and 2015. And... Again, a- another show with some of the futuristic American West feel that, that we see in, in Whedon's Firefly. And this story takes place in 2046 on a post-apocalyptic Earth that features an array of alien species that are now sharing the planet with the human race. And while arguably the most engaging love story takes place between lawman Jonathan Nolan and his adopted alien daughter, Erissa, Wait, I mean, we're here, that's a different kind of love story. Though. Exactly. <laughs> we're here to talk about romantic entanglements. So quintessential star-crossed lovers, Alec, who is a castathon DJ, lover of classic vinyl music. And, yeah. and yeah, those are some really wonderful scenes when he's DJing from way up high. And then Christy, who's assumed the mother role in her family because the mother, I guess she's dead. I can't remember now, or she's just gone, but the two families despise each other. And these two do their best to show that love can transcend many obstacles. I look, we know this story, Romeo and Juliet, 
Alex, crime boss father, Daytac Tar, is one of the most disliked characters in the show. Her father, Rafe McCauley, is the richest human in the town of Defiance. And naturally, the two come to blows frequently. But they are just a wonderful couple. They're old enough that they are not totally pushed around by their parents, that they're old enough, they're strong enough that they will engage in a bit of defiance, no pun intended. (laughs) But it's a wonderful story because they really represent the hope for a town like defiance if the human race and the alien race are going to get together and, and coexist. So I'm going to go with those two. I, they were really, I, they really grew on me as the series went on. Yeah. And you could have picked a number of different couples, the mayor and, you know, Nolan. Um, one of my favorites that didn't really get a chance to get going was between Arissa and Tommy LaSalle, the deputy. They had super fiery chemistry between the two of them. But yeah, I like, I like this choice and, and you really brought back fond memories of that show, which is near and dear to my heart. So, Well, I couldn't figure out a way to get Berlin into the discussion. Berlin, of course. <laughs> Played by Anna Hopkins. <laughs> That's right. So many great characters on that show. Now we're going to go into the second half of our discussion here in a moment, but let's take a quick break and then we'll get right back into it. All right. Well, my second choice for the star-crossed lovers has got to be part of the inspiration for this discussion. And that is Roswell, because although it's just gotten rebooted on the CW, one of the couples from that show that I wanted to use in this discussion is the couple of Michael and Maria. Now people who are familiar with Roswell, which ran for three seasons from 1999 to 2002 on the WB and then on UPN, may wonder why I didn't pick the obvious choice of Max and Liz, because that's really where the show was really centered. Max was the king of Antar here on Earth, and he immediately shared with viewers of the show his human infatuation, Liz Parker. But it's Max's general, Michael, whose human life was kind of filled with hardship. He was had an alcoholic dad and a bunch of things that really made him kind of a sad sack and someone you wanted to root for the underdog, you know, and his love for Maria DeLuca kind of took a little bit longer to get going. Cause he had to convince himself that his life on earth had value. And I think she really helped him realize that. And that relationship had more of a spark perhaps than the main relationship of the show, because, you know, Max and Liz are kind of like this perfect couple and they're, they're beautiful and, and awesome. And, you know, you just kind of think that they're going to be together forever. But the fact that Michael kind of wants to get back home, that's the, his whole purpose in life. And yet he's won over by this human woman. And famously in season three, episode 18, Michael told Maria from day one, from the moment I kidnapped you and stole your car, I knew you were the girl for me. So I just thought that was just something that really rang true to the the trauma of their relationship. And, and he basically told her, I never wanted anyone else. I still don't just wherever I'm going, whatever I'm doing, just know I'll always love you. And as it turns out, even though Michael's sole mission is to return to Antar, he realizes that earth is his home 
because that's where Maria is. And I'll be interested to see if this CW reboot captures that kind of feel because it's on the CW. I do feel like they're going to have to emphasize these human and alien relationships because of course these Antarans look exactly like humans, whether that's a disguise, you want to attribute that to a disguise or something else, obviously, but you know, it takes place in Roswell, New Mexico. In fact, the new series is called Roswell, New Mexico on the CW, whereas the original was just called Roswell. Uh, it premiered on January 15th. So maybe some of our audience members have checked that out already. So, All right. Well, Michael, my final pairing, I'm going to go to arguably the, well, probably not even arguably the longest running science fiction television show in existence. And that is of course, Dr. Who. And yes, there was a, <laughs> a gap in there, but I think there are, you know, I guess we're approaching 50 seasons or getting close. And also the only show on our list that is currently airing. <laughs> oh, good point. Although it won't be airing for a while now, from what I understand, <laughs> that it just wrapped up. But the doctor is, of course, an alien. He is a time lord. And I was really torn who to go with. Most of my experience with Doctor Who comes from the 2005 reboot of the series but you know it does seem that a number of the female companions over the years have developed a bit of a crush on the doctor i thought about river song who is of course the doctor's wife but she technically has some time lord dna i mean she really is human with a little bit of time lord dna sprinkled in there so i thought i would go with billy piper's rose tyler who plays the first companion in series one when Christopher Eccleston is the doctor. And when number nine, doctor number nine, that is, sacrifices himself to keep Rose safe, it really sets the tone for where their relationship has gone. And even though at this point, neither has said anything about being in love with the other, we get this connection is strengthening and it's really not until david tennant takes over the role in series two that their chemistry really takes off and there's never any overt romantic connection in doctor who at least to this point but it's clear they both feel the same way and without getting into the details we have that scene in uh series three i think it is that Rose is transported to an alternate universe that's going to ensure her survival. And and eventually the doctor's able to send her a message. And before he can receive her reply in which she admits that she's in love with him, the connection is lost forever. Oh, that has got to be one of the most heartbreaking moments, not only of that series, but of genre television in general. I mean, it's just, indelibly burned into people's memory of that show yeah and even though billy piper reprises rose tyler's role later on for the i think it's the 50th anniversary episode they still haven't really played around with you know that connection but you know it's there obviously the doctor and river song are in love with each other again even though they never really verbalize it but there's just something about rose and both doctors, both Eccleston and Tennant, that just really, really grabs you. That's for sure. And that's probably one of my favorite companions, even though I'm more of a Matt Smith guy in terms of the doctor himself. But yeah, I, I got to agree with you. Definitely one of the best 
companion doctor romances, even going back to the older series. So, all right, well, I'm going to end on a perhaps unexpected note because I'm going to go with a sitcom. It's like, well, sitcom, how's that genre? Well, you remember, may remember third rock from the sun, which aired from 1996 to 2001, which featured John Lithgow as the patriarch of the Solomon family. And they were a team of aliens in disguise as humans, of course, sent to study our planet. But that was really just the ostensible premise of the show. Really, it was just kind of a fish out of water story as they tried to carry on their mission, but really had a disdain for humans and thought they were pretty much on a backwater planet for their mission and and felt like they had been wronged in some way by being sent to this undesirable place. But the couple from this show, of course, took a while to blossom, just like the first example that you mentioned, uh, Aronson and John Crichton, the classic moonlighting scenario, right? (laughs) Where they hate each other fiercely at first. And in this show, it's Dick Solomon, John Lithgow's character, and Dr. Mary Albright, played by Jane Curtin. Because Dick's alias, as it were, is as an anthropology professor at a college and one of his colleagues is Mary Albright. So initially he kind of tries to share his infatuation with her and she's just disgusted by him. He's so over the top and awkward and things like that. But as the series went on, he slowly wore her down until they certainly have to be called one of the strangest and most awkward relationships imaginable, but still had that undeniable chemistry and the charm that, that they had between the two of them. And you have to attribute it to, I mean, come on, we're talking about Jane Curtin and, and John Lithgow. These are masterful comics and actors. And so it became the hallmark of the show along with, you know, launching the career of one Joseph Gordon Levitt who played young Tommy on that show as well. <laughs> well, yeah. And I mean, Dick's lack of social graces is certainly one of the things that just makes his character so lovable. And you watched this show when it was airing? Or? I did, yeah. Yeah, it was like before our hardcore uh, genre watching, because of course there wasn't that much genre TV back then, but uh, definitely was one of the sitcoms that I tuned in for. But I hope you guys enjoyed those choices that we came up with. And we have a few of them to share with you from social media. So let's share those with you here in our listener feedback segment, as it were, of this discussion topic podcast. All right, we had a few great contributions from social media that I want to share with you. The first is one that I just can't believe that Dave and I missed and the article on Den of Geek missed, and that's one that Davia gave to us on Twitter. Of course, Captain Sheridan and Ambassador Delenn from Babylon 5. How could we forget about those? Thank you, Davia, for those. And also on Twitter, we heard from Richard Murray, who shared with us a couple of ones that that we had actually, but he wanted to mention Mork and Mindy, a good one. And he mentioned Michael and Maria and Max and Liz from the original Roswell. And he also mentioned Dick and Mary from third rock from the sun. So great minds think alike there, Richard. And on Facebook, we heard from Stuart Hobson who brought in a movie example. Always have at least one of those that sneaks in. He mentioned Jeff Bridges and Karen Allen in Starman, a great couple, but not from television. Linda Bond mentioned Rose and the Doctor, just like Dave did, and Trip and T'Pol from Star Trek Enterprise. 
which is another great choice that I had forgotten about. So that was a good one. And Davia chimed in again on Facebook. She mentioned Farscape and Deep Space Nine being her favorite TV shows and, of course, brought up Deep Space Nine, Dylan and Sheridan once again. But for Farscape, she, of course, had to mention Aaron and John, just like Dave did. So thank you so much to those of you who contributed your star-crossed lovers on social media. We really appreciate your involvement in the podcast, and hopefully we'll get to do this feedback segment of sorts in future episodes that are discussion topics as well. So thanks again. All right. That was a great topic. And we're finishing up our January round of podcast topics to round out our, what would have been a single podcast at the beginning of the month if we were in our own old formula, but we're going to start all over again in February. So what do we have on tap for our first podcast in February, Dave? Well, Mike, we have a show that I did not know existed until you mentioned it to me and it is called a discovery of witches which is a uk import adaptation of the deborah harkness series and the entire eight episode first season has dropped on sundance now and shutter and i it's so intriguing um it's got an actor that I love, my wife loves, Matthew Good. So I'm certainly looking forward to seeing it and talking about it. Yeah, I'm not sure how far we'll get into it. We'll talk about that in the next podcast, but we're definitely going to talk about at least the beginning of this series and a little bit about its origins. But yeah, it'll be a nice little supernatural vampire witch kind of world that has some familiar elements to it and also some unique elements as well. So hopefully you can join us for that discussion in February, but that's it for this episode of Sci-Fi Fidelity. Keep the discussion going on social media. You can follow Den of Geek on Twitter and Facebook at Den of Geek US, and we are at Sci-Fi Fidelity. In the meantime, we'd love it if you could rate and review this podcast wherever you access it, and be sure to send us your suggestions for future topics on social media or via email. You can hit us up at sci-fi fidelity at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in February.